You know, I'm just going to go with it. That's where we just welcome to Swing Thoughts, everybody. You know, here's the thing. I don't know why it's so important to me that at the beginning I hear this. It's just this noise I wanted to hear. There we go. Okay. Uh, so we just re twice. We're, uh, are we five off the tee here? <laughs> but uh, we're recording. And welcome to Swing Thoughts, everyone. I'm golf spiritual leader, Humble Howard, from the Humble and Fred Show. And, of course, my compadre, my fellow guru, is uh, formerly the coach of the Guelph Griffins. Are you formerly the head coach of the Guelph Griffins golf team? I'm now a formerly. That's right. Coach Emeritus. That's it. Old guy. Gone out to pasture. Tim O'Connor is who I'm talking about. Coach Tim O'ConnorGolf.ca. Part of the Quiet Mind Golf Revolution. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Timmy's festooned in the finery from Jonathan Wong Apparel, JWApparelInc.com. And along with our title sponsor, TaylorMade Golf. Wow. Wow. I had a uh, I had a drive yesterday playing with one of my uh, double D's decade devotees, Rob Somerville. I'll talk about him in a minute. But I had a drive that even he seemed to be in, impressed with. Like I don't know, it was a stealth technology. <laughs> so I uh, yeah, I smoked it out. Yeah, every once in a while with that driver, I will hit a drive that even surprises me. You ever get that feeling? You know, where you're like, wow, that's in a place I didn't expect. Oh yeah, like uh, we'll get into this, but at St. Thomas, ninth hole, me, 65-year-old man, outdrove a man of 45-ish, and like, I mean, amazing caps. This guy's a phys ed teacher. Okay, you mean I the 18th hole? Him. Yes, my, yeah. my ninth. Yeah, okay. The All right. Details. <laughs> I know. I you're, the guy. Yeah, you're, you're nearly 65. I can't imagine you can keep all the holes in the order. Uh, tailor-made golf, of course, is what we're talking about. The tailor-made stealth with the red 60-layer carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. That is what you're going to get. We've told you before, you know, like... Everyone, every I know this happened on the weekend. Everyone wants to know what if you're going to get more distance from this driver, and the answer is a resounding yes, you are. Your ball speed goes up. There's a bit of pop off the face, and that's what they're talking about. Find out more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. <clears throat> All right, and even off the toe and the heel, still gets out there. Yes, it does. We don't hit it perfectly all the time. And uh, NeuroPeak Pro, our uh, very first new sponsor in a couple years. NeuroPeak Pro is a precision breathing, heart rate variability, and brain performance company that trains athletes, business, and medical professionals, entrepreneurs, and more. Uh, based in Michigan, Michigan, the uh, company. Hang on, I'm just restarting my uh, my monitor here. Is uh, worked with over 50 players across the PGA Tour, European Tour, Corn Ferry, and others. Stars like Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, DeChambeau, and others have been using NeuroPeak's precision breathing training, adding to their training regimes. Go to NeuroPeak. That's a lot. That is a lot. Go to NeuroPeakPro.com for more information. All right. Sorry about that. I had to reset a bunch of monitors, but anyway, here we here we are. Do you want to? Why don't we take the uh, PGA Championship first? Because we can talk. We're going to talk quite a bit about our first tournament of the year. 
But first, let's talk about the second major of the year. And it'll all tie in because it's all about, you know, observing observing pressure and people and how they act in pressure situations. What are your takeaways, Timothy? Well, just go to the most obvious thing right off the bat. Was that the fastest swing you ever saw on the 72nd hole? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, like, I've heard a few people. I don't know if you've heard this, some of the feedback about why did he hit driver? You know, why not just, you know, oh, here comes Stan's babysitter. Why did he hit driver? Why do you think he hit he hits driver in that situation? Um, I think that he's probably hit driver... All the previous three days, he felt comfortable with it. And I think similarly to Cam Smith at the players, it was just an instinctive thing. You know, I've done it this before. This is what I want to do. So he goes So he goes with it. And I think there's a lot to be said with that. The the So I'm not sure it was so much the selection of the club. I just don't think that he was really in tune what was really going on in his body yeah that absolutely. really was a, a very weird situation i was sitting there and that swing was the fastest backswing through swing i'd ever seen it was like crazy yeah and so i i didn't know whether he topped it or what he did but it just i think it was i i think it was less about club selection it was more just about an inability to execute with what everything was going on you know it just occurred to me that you know you you and i talk a lot about being in your body or we've you know in past podcasts talked about be where your body is and how do you get there i mean neuropeak pro is a good example of learning to control breathing and what that does you know the meditative not that it's about being in a meditative state but part of the meditative state is basically being where your body is and being in your body as you would say and and that phrase out of body experience mm. i think describes what he was going through it was an out of body he even well, i was so impressed with this kid mito Pereira. i mean he's a superstar that's what's great about golf the guy was the hundredth ranked player on earth and uh no one had ever heard of him really most golf fans although he won three times last year on the corn ferry tour got a tour got a battlefield promotion like he's legit obviously totally. but um it, and he talked very candidly when i was really impressed that he he didn't mope away. He didn't, you know, sort of says, you know, I was listening to some guys on Sirius that I like. He didn't avoid the, the discussion. He basically copped to the fact he said, you know, I was very, very nervous. And I was nervous the whole day, he said. I found it hard to settle down. Well, I think that's the most relatable thing I heard. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, and he was able to channel that nervousness throughout the day. He, he looked like he was, <clears throat> excuse me, taking his time, making making good selection. But there were a couple times it just looked a bit odd. There was one putt that came up way short. And I just really think that it comes down to when you're in new situations, you're not as in touch with, in essence, your physiology, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. your body. And there's things going on that you've never experienced before. I mean, it's just, you you got a chance to win a major championship. Your first year on the PGA Tour, yeah, I mean, the guy won all over the world, and, and he's been a, a really solid, solid player, and, and he looked composed and everything, but 
I've seen it just happen over and over again where you have have players who they've won a John Deere or they've done okay and suddenly it's Sunday back nine at a major championship and what used to be fairly easy is not because in essence they haven't gone through this before there's adrenaline going through there's just all kinds of different things and just harnessing their mind as you've talked about many times things just tend to be faster yeah so I think that with that experience I mean, remember Curtis Strange at the Masters? I forget it when it when it was. I think it was in the eighties. He had a comfortable lead, and then he just imploded on the back nine. And this is before he won his U.S. Opens or anything. So, I just have the sense it's, it's kind of like your uh, your decade student Brendan, his first tournament. He just the body's just doing stuff. You can't. It's an access issue. Yeah. You just can't access what you have. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story about a friend of ours, friend of mine in particular, who is a plus two handicap. I didn't even. I should have asked him, but I don't think he'd care. Uh, but he's a plus two handicap that made an eleven at St. Thomas this weekend. And I can guarantee, in the middle of that eleven, it was. You know, it was going on. Things were going on pretty quickly. But back to the swing that Mito Pereira made on the 72nd hole. However, it, he drew it up in his head. What he, it looked to me, because I was, I actually, I was one of the last groups on Sunday at our tournament. You were long gone back to your, um, you're saying it sounds, hold on. You're, okay. Tim just sent me a note. Full disclosure. It sounds like your mic is not working. How so? Oh, I see why. Oh, I know what you're doing. Can you hear me, though? Yeah, I can hear you fine. No, it sounds like, you know, when you're doing a Zoom call with someone and they yes. don't have a mic, it's just being picked up by their the mic on their laptop. That's, That's a great what call. It like. um, now you can hear it fine. There you go. Okay. Um, I, I can tell you, though, the last 10 minutes that we've done is being recorded from this microphone it's just it's just the zoom audio that you're not hearing Aces. okay so um but thank you for that and this full disclosure this is our little podcast family they know we're just doing they know it's just a thing about our podcast there's they we're not you know i'm barely a professional but we're just two guys sitting around talking about golf for fuck's sake doesn't have to be Uh, great I'm a semi-professional. You're um, a professional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying about uh, da, 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 da. Oh, I watch, oh, we're sitting around watching at the end of the tournament. I stayed and watched the golf with about 40 or 50 of us uh, just prior to the, the, the ceremony where we crowned the early bird champion who was about to turn pro, which I thought was cute. Anyway, when he made that swing, a couple people went, well, there's your anti-left move. That was the first comment from a bunch of good Mm -hmm. players that it looked like he was trying not to pull it. And in fact, he didn't miss by much because that ball didn't banana slice into the hazard. He he kind of wiped it, but it hit some fairway. It bounded through the fairway. And unfortunately, had a lot of energy left, and it ended up into the hazard. Uh, yeah, I called it a hazard, not a penalty area. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that me. bothers me so much. They can't even say water. And when they, I, I, First of all, the ball went in the water. Yes, I know it's a penalty area, but it's in the water. Anyway, so what, what I was wondering, though, is, okay, he's in the water. All he has to do is make bogey to get in the playoff. 
Misses the green. Now he's got to yep. get up and down to get in the playoff. Misses the green. Now he's got to chip in. I mean, that's when I started to feel sort of bad for the kid because it's like, you know, he can make a he can make a bogey on that golf course on that hole playing left-handed. But in that situation, that just goes to show you, man, you wrench, you ratchet up your comfort level to a point beyond anything you've ever felt, as you described it. Never been in that situation. You just don't know how you're going to show up, man. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the hardest part. I mean, I had uh, a client a couple weeks ago who said, hey, Tim, I'm going to go in my first tournament. Can you give me some tips? I just said, well, except anything and everything is going to happen to you and just treat it as a learning experience because things are going to happen to you that have never happened and it's just going to seem like, how come the golf gods are doing this to me now? <laughs> yes. How come I'm getting that bounce instead of this bounce? And and how come that happened? And geez, I can usually hit a shot off this lie. How come I can't do it now? Why? Because you haven't experienced your body and brain in that dance before. <laughs> it's it's a very gangly dance. There's lots of uh, <laughs> right angles and things. Yes, that's right. And not and not a lot of rhythm. You know, I, and I, I get asked that question not just by the the guys that are working with me in the decade system, but over the years. You know, and I always say. You know, when when you're one of the better players at your club or you feel like you're, you know, a decent player, one of the betters, you know, that you play with, and then you go to a tournament and everyone on the range with you is that guy at their club. That's right. And a lot of them are, you know, there's there's a lot. It's literally, and I remember telling the story in the early days of our podcast about, you know, reengaging with tournament play after a 10-year absence. And my first big tournament back was the Ontario Mid-Am in 2015. And as I was, it was at, it was at Lambton, or 2016. And as I was driving in, because I had played a practice round, and then on the day of the first round of the tournament, I drive in, and there's all these banners and roped off areas. And I was like, oh yeah, what? 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 <laughs> like I just, it seemed like I, I'd forgotten that that existed. And that round, I shot 92, but a lot of that 92 was just, I was uncomfortable in my car driving in. Exactly. You're driving along. Things are good. You're listening to the radio or whatever. And suddenly, what, what's this uproar in my gut? Yes. <laughs> what's going? And how come suddenly I can't really breathe as well as I was a few minutes ago? By the way, what? that was also the tournament when, uh, that was the tournament where we had just started. I had just, maybe even before you and I, but I was already with TaylorMade. And uh, I, I can't remember the guy. It's, I feel bad. I think his name was Cam, who was our contact there for a long time. But on the first tee, and everyone's identifying their balls. And I had Taylor made through the bag, and I had a Pro V. And uh, I turn around, I identify my ball, and I turn around and go, oh, hi, guy from Taylor made. <laughs> Just, so not only was I nervous, but now I'm like freaking out that the guy from Taylor made is like, why are you playing Pro Vs? I don't anymore, by the way, because they are the devil's ball. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, yeah. Well, you know that's funny the way you. I remember you telling that story before about pulling in just the just coming in and everything that's associated with, as you say, a, a big time tournament. Yep. I I I felt that before 
It's like, as you say, oh, ropes and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this isn't this isn't Saturday morning at Blue Springs. Yeah, when I do my Saturday morning game, there's not an area for players and caddies only. Um, and but part of you back to your point about talking to your student about, you know, take it, use it as a learning experience because now over time, you know, that was 2016, and I've qualified for other big tournaments since then. And so when I pulled into Loyalists last summer for the Senior M, and and you drive in and they have all the banners of the past champions. I'm like, I know that guy, I've beat that guy, that's a buddy of mine. You know what I mean? Like, it just becomes familiar. And it's because, you know, I I was writing a little personal note to myself saying that you can't, you can't have experience, you can't get experiences, let me say again, you can't get experience without experiences. And so, if you're new to this world, then get the experience so that you're less freaked out because I guarantee you and Tim will guarantee you you will be freaked out it's not going to feel like your regular club event yes it's it's like you said before you have casual golf which is nice hey everybody very sweet tell some stories go down the first first hole tournament golf chaos it's all chaos man and no one's and sometimes like no one's talking for two or three holes um you know sometimes you get some guys who just need to talk out of their own excitement if you will but it's a totally different animal but as you said you only get experience through experience and and we only really learn through hard experiences as as a friend of mine said and i think i said this a few times on the show is I never learned anything on a good day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's just the way it goes but to connect to what you were talking about in terms of your uh, GSL journaling uh, I was journaling after the early bird and I was just noting how it connected with my very first tournament which I shot like 110 in (laughs) you know way back when and it was the same thing you come in you hand in your score no one cares. It's and it was so fun at St. Thomas to sit around a big table with about six or seven guys, have a few pops and just talk and care. and it was so good. And and here we are too. I'm not sure if we're going to officially segue into this part of it, but maybe we have. Is here you have guys in B flight. You got handicaps down to two index. You know upwards of seven. And I'm looking at that board. I'm seeing 95, oh, yeah. <laughs> 91, uh, my 89, you know, and it, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's funny. I used to think it did. Uh, I did. I, I'll just be honest. I used to not be able to handle it if I had a number that I didn't think lined up with what I thought of myself as a golfer and what I wanted other people to think of me as a golfer. Exactly. And that's a big part. That's a big thing for a lot of us that play because how it goes is okay if i don't shoot a good score other people won't think well of me and then yep. i'll feel bad about myself and this is just me talking but i think golfers resonate with that 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 and as you pointed out and as i've learned that you know okay in my cat in my part of the tournament i'm playing with Nothing, but you know, I looked at. It's funny you brought that up. So all the how it works at St. Thomas is, if you have a two handicap or higher, you play in B flight. If you have a scratch or two and lower, so I'm playing with nothing but scratch golfers and plus handicaps. I play with the kid 
I'll talk about this after, but I play with a plus four handicap. I shot 79 and he shot 78. So trust me, that kid didn't feel good about his number, but that's the number you shoot. It's a very, very difficult golf course. But I, there was a version of me where I would not have been able to sit around after like I did Sunday. That I, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy the company of all those people because I'd have been worried that they thought uh, they saw my 84 and would have thought of me. But it all comes down to this. And this I'll finish by saying that, you know, really it's all about our, us trying to protect ourselves from feeling bad. Absolutely. And so... When you realize you don't have to anymore, it's pretty liberating. Absolutely. I remember when we had, uh, and what a good get it was when we had Judson Brewer on about five years ago. I mean, he's one of the leaders in connecting mindfulness to psychotherapy and psychology. And I remember when he was on the show, he said that so much a part of golf is looking for results and, and what people will think and he goes that's looking for love in all the wrong <laughs> that's <places."> right <laughs> yeah. and i just so agreed with that because and now i've experienced it more and more now that i've played in way more tournaments and i want to thank you for encouraging me to do that you're the one who pushed me to get into tournaments and i'm so glad i did because it's not about that external experience what will they think of me how do i compare all that kind of stuff it's more about what's my experience in doing this and what's what's going on for me and that to me is just part as you said liberating we'll go with that i mean when you can just let go of all that other stuff because it just doesn't matter I feel like Bill Murray in Meatballs it just doesn't matter well and you know in my case and yeah, and you're welcome. I encourage you to play tournaments because I figured, well, you should experience what it's like. Um, and you know, there's different levels of experience, obviously. And you know, you know, you've had the experience of entering, and the next experience is going to be maybe in your club championship or a tournament where you know you're going to have some good play that's going to put you in a position you're not familiar with. Um, that's a whole other experience where you start to, you know, get to uh, some of your sort of normal play in tournaments. But let me just connect quickly with, you know, I had a, an opportunity to play golf yesterday with a friend of the show and a guy that, you know, has been using me to help him with a decade. And he's a very fine golf player named Rob Somerville. And I played nine holes with him at this sweet Oakville golf course. It's only the second time I ever will play there. It's just, oh, what a... It's gorgeous oh my god what a golf course that is i played it once with casey years ago and we went out yesterday afternoon just a beautiful walk you know just amazing golf course and i watched this guy i was gonna say kid because he's 50 that's what i call a 50 year old's kid i watched this kid i thought 40 was it i've upped it i've upped it now that i'm in my (laughs) 60s i call 50 year old's kid but I watched Rob play nine holes, and you know he couldn't have been more than one or two over. Like he just hits it great. Mm-hmm. And as we were finishing up the last couple holes, I said, "Listen, man, I got—I don't really have much to tell you except I have one observation." I said, "You have this routine, and it's excellent. His pre-shot routine is really cool. You know, he stands behind the ball, he gets his uh, target." And then he takes a couple of, uh, maybe not even a practice swing, a full one. But when he gets up to the ball, he looks once, waggles, and hits it. Like, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, I watched this for six or seven holes. And I'm like, I'm watching him. I'm thinking, this is great. I, I sort of was observing and I'm thinking, what is it about this routine that I don't like? And I said to him on the last couple holes, I said, Rob, the only thing I can tell you is this. 
I will tell you when you're in a, when you start to get some push on you, just be careful that that doesn't speed up because I can only imagine you run into trouble when inadvertently, because we all do it, inadvertently you're going to get faster in a, and that's not the word I'm looking for, um, insidiously. It'll just sneak up on you. And before you know it, that routine's blazing quick. And so today is fine because we're just shooting the shit and we're having a little walk out here. But I said, just be careful. And he said, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens to me. And it happens to all of us. Uh, I just said to him, you know, what I try and do is when I'm around the ball, I just slow down. And it comes from years of being in these pressure situations, knowing my tendency, which is to get faster, faster swing and faster thinking. And that's well, that's that was my only takeaway from this guy. And it's a it's sort of ties in with the PGA championship. Everything got faster for that guy because he yeah. went from leading to bogey for playoff to double bogey to miss. Yeah. How tough was that? Wow. So that happens to all of us. And that's what is sort of now, you know, again, that was my only takeaway from Rob watching him play. And again, very, very good player. Can't imagine him hitting it bad until you start to get a little pressure. And all of a sudden it's like now you're just hitting it before you even know where you're hitting it. Absolutely. So let's talk about O'Connor. O'Connor, O'Connor. My friend O'Connor playing in a tournament. Uh, it was lovely seeing you. It was, uh, it's fun, you know having friends there and having seen not seen some people why don't you uh why don't you take the stage now and tell us about your experience well i had my brother caddying for me so it was really great to have pat again on the bag um so my my intention for going to the early bird was have a great time with my brother that's what it was about and we did we had fun right from the get-go um we had a guy like after we were sitting around afterwards I knew you guys were brothers you guys were breaking me up on the range just Pat and I just kibitzing and all that and you know using lines that my father used to use and all that kind of stuff so it was that was really fun the thing that I was keeping in mind from the get go in terms of shall we say expectations was just the acknowledgement St. Thomas is a very hard golf course it is probably the first or second hardest golf course I've ever played outside of the national and it's it's unforgiving um, particularly if you don't know the golf course that well I've played it maybe over the years over over say 30 years 10 times maybe a couple times you know I played it two years ago in the early bird so just knowing that the golf course is is really really hard um, lowers the temperature or the thermostat, you know, as we say. So, um, and, and part of those things is that I think I also have <laughs> sort of joked that I have PTSD <laughs> from from the last time I played it because I four putted the first green yeah. uh, two years ago. Now, by the way, so I, let me let me just interject and say, Tim's not it's not hyperbole because I played at the national. I played a thousand rounds of golf there, and outside of that course. I actually, it's funny you brought that up because Charlie and I uh, played together there on Friday, just you know, dicking around, killing some time. And I at said St. That, Thomas at St. Thomas, and I said to him, you know, like this golf course reminds me of the National in that it seems benign off the tee, 
But once you start missing the fairway and now you can't get it on the green and now you're getting up and down is tough and now you're three putting for trip, you know, bogeys and triples and doubles and all this stuff, it just becomes exponentially harder. But I, I left there on Sunday night and I said to myself, that'll be the hardest golf course I play this year. I mean, outside of London, Hamilton, definitely in the top two or three difficult golf courses will play. Please continue. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And that's why you look on the leaderboard on um, or the scoreboard, if you will, on Saturday and you're seeing guys with three indexes who shoot 95. Yeah, it's, dude. Just, it's just crazy. There were guys with so, low handicaps shooting in the hundreds, my friend. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. I have it right here. Guys shot in the one oh with somethings. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I, I just found that for me, I was in my I was driving the ball great, I, but I knew that I was tense. My, I couldn't really release an iron mm-hmm. for about the, until about the fifth hole. <laughs> I just, I just couldn't release it. It was just, just my my old death grip thing that I just couldn't relieve. And but I finally got it going and made it, you know a couple of pars here and there. And um, but it was really interesting. I walked off the golf course with uh, with an eighty nine, and my brother went, "Hey, good plan, pal." Yeah. You know, you hit it hit it really well. And so I was uh, so, you know, I guess I was pleased with that. I mean, 89 so- doesn't sound great, but just in context, I was happy with it, but I was also just happy with that I had such a great time. The whole day was great. Like St. Thomas runs an amazing tournament. Uh they got us into the clubhouse safely. <laughs> the storm? Yeah, well, I was it was I crazy was there. The golf, yeah. I was on the golf course when the storm hit. And uh, thankfully, the wind was at our backs as Pat and I walked to the clubhouse, and the umbrella was just the word I've come up was just thrumming. Mm-hmm. It was just as the, as the rain bounced off of it. But uh, such a great, um, great tournament the way they run it, and it's you know I turn around and I see somebody, so it's a great social thing. So I may be overplaying this, but the whole to me it's about the experience. I think whether it's Saturday morning golf or in a tournament, it's that it's that all experience that I love. And, I, and if they'll have me, I'll I'll play in that thing until they go. You know, you're kind of like Doug Ford, old. <laughs> um, <laughs> Doug Ford the golfer. Yes, yes, I understand. <laughs> Although a lot of people think Doug Ford's too old to do his job. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to add. I mean, I'm, you know, again, I I'll, I was telling you, I don't know if I told you this when we were talking on the way home, but, you know, I've told stories on the show of being, you know, playing in a lot of mid-am golf, you know, provincially, locally, nationally. And when I started back in 2015, 2016, I was in my mid-50s. And I would invariably be in a group with a couple of kids, you know, and their dads. And, uh, you know, I would be like, I've told the story of like, I'd hit a good shot or something. And the dads would give me like a little thumbs up, like, hey, we're similar age. And they were, you know, happy for me, which I always thought was cute. But I was always around the same age as the dads. Well, this weekend I played with these two kids on a Saturday. One is 19, one is 27. And the 27-year-old, a 27-year-old shot 77. So it wasn't like, this guy's, so I'm scratch. There's a plus four and a plus one. And our three scores were 77, 78, and 79. That's how tough the golf course is. So. But well done for you, young man. Thank you. Anyway, but it was funny. After three or four holes, you know, we're standing around. It was a pretty, they're, they're, I will say this. 
Tournament golf is slow golf. We were five hours both days, 5.15 the second day. Mm-hmm. So we're standing around, and I said to one of the dads, I'm like, so how old are you? And he goes, 57. And I said, what about you, other dad? And he goes, like, 58. And I go, oh, this is great. Now I'm, now I'm older than the dads. Now I'm not only older than the players, but I'm like, so after that... Um, the first time I did it was on the 15th hole, which is one of the hardest holes that, I, again, it's ridiculous how hard this hole is. And when I parted, it, which is the first time I've ever parted in competition, I literally went, Grandpa made a five. Grandpa made, and they applauded me. Like, it was hilarious. So I will tell you how hard this hole. In fact, I, my, my highlight was the first day I played 14, 15, 16, and 17, one under. And when I tell that to people, their eyes, because it's, they're, they're hard holes, 16 yeah. especially for me. Because oh, yeah. the tees I'm playing, I was a, the golf course I played was 600 yards further. Not that it, I'm just saying, it was a longer so it golf course. 7,000 in total, It was right? over 7,000 yards. So on, Yipes. on the first day, on the second of these two par fives, it's 565, middle pin, so it's playing the yardage. So I had a really good drive, laid up with a six iron over the second creek, went to the green with a wedge. The second day, it's 585. I hit a very good drive for me. I had to lay up over that water with a hybrid, which now is a little bit more nervy, and I yeah. still had nine iron in. These kids, again, we could talk, I don't want to bore the audience with how far these kids hit it, but they hit it Everyone far. Knows. <laughs> they, they just hit it far. And, yep. and where I was saying this to Rob yesterday, I have no problem hitting driver five and six iron into greens on par fours. Well, what it does is it wears you down a little bit. Again, talking about your internal thermostat, you know, for most of us in a par four, reasonable length, 400 yard par four, I'm going to hit driver nine iron, eight iron, maybe seven iron, which has a different... It has a different tension level than hitting five iron, four iron hybrid. It's exactly. not that I can't do it. It just takes more of your attention. So I'll tell you, even on the first day when I parred that hole, I had six iron. And I measured that hazard and a six iron gave me plenty of you know, leeway, 20 yards of carry. I knew I could get it over there. And I still thinned it. And as it was in the air, I'm going, please, please get over. Or whatever I said. And I turned to the group and went, yeah, grandpa begged. Grandpa was begging there. So um, all I'm saying is like the, the, the length is, all it does is it adds a little bit more, I don't know. Like I said, we all we all can hit a, a gap wedge with less attention than we hit our five iron. So I hit a lot of five irons. And the last thing I'll tell you about that is so Ronan, who's another friend of the show. Second day, um, eighteen is a four hundred and seventy-five yard par four for me. And I thought of these holes. I did this. I went, okay, it's like a par five. Five's a good score. All that yep. stuff I tell people, and I kill my drive. And I've got one eighty-five uphill to that flag. So, and I, I hit a really nice iron. I hit it way, I, I, I drew it. It goes bounding up there and I've got like an 18 foot putt for birdie. I two putt for par. And then I see Ronan and he's in the, he's watching me play the hole and he flashes five. I think he flashed five. This is my memory that he found like, like, did you make bogey there? And I flashed four and his eyes got big. He's like, what? Cause he, you can't imagine I was there in two. That's yeah. how long the golf course played for me. My takeaway was good first tournament. You know, I I will tell you, I played 27 very focused holes in the last nine on Sunday. This goes to our our discussion we're going to have about energy. That was my fifth round in five days. And by Sunday afternoon, 
in in the middle of a five and an hour and twenty minute round. There was only plus one of my guys bailed so there was only two of us so we literally waited every shot every hole on three t that ridiculous par four we were on that t for 25 minutes but i just started to lose a little bit of energy and i was i had a really nice front nine my we played the back nine first again i was three over on that back nine so it's a nice nine for me and then i went you know, par, three putt, three putt, three putt through yeah. the valley there. And you know what? I had a lot of three putts in St. Thomas. Four or five of them were in the 60-foot range with 19 feet of break. And I'm like, oh, you're going to three putt those. I own three yeah. or four of them because one of my three putts came. Yes, I'm going to admit it. On the second day, I went around the first three holes, even par. Then I get to that long par three. It's 235 yards. I hit a hybrid, which I can't reach the green, but I was decided I'm just going to lay up short of it. I did. I, I wanted to do when I hit three wood. I hit a beautiful hybrid. I had a you know 20 yard pitch, pitched to 12 feet, pitched hit hit it about a foot and a half short, and and didn't mark it. Didn't take any time. Went mm-hmm. to tap it in and lipped out. So that's on me. And I said to Paul, my buddy, Henrik, I said, it's the first time I've done that in seven years. But I just was starting to lose a little focus. Oh, totally, totally. Which is one of the things, and, and I thought of you as well. I kept eating, I kept drinking, I tried to be all that stuff. But I will tell you, the last hour and a half I was out there, I was pretty tired. Oh, I, I get it, and and you know what's so interesting. So so it's like you're saying, yes, yeah, as, as Tim told me to eat and drink and all that stuff, <laughs> yeah. and that's exactly what I did not do so we teed off on saturday morning i think it was i was eight ten or eight twenty, and so we're at our on our about to tee off on our 16th hole and the siren goes and the storm comes and i go to the side of the uh, we just so i'm hanging out with ronan and this guy rich and pat and we're just having a wonderful time just talking i'm thinking i should get something to eat <laughs> yeah but i don't and I'm thinking, like, oh, you should get something to eat. But I don't because I'm having too much fun. Yeah. We get on the golf course, double, double, and then a bogey. And Pat goes, you should have eaten something because <laughs> I just lost focus. Yep. And and it was like, really, and I, actually, it was the only time in the tournament I got angry was when I made that double. I went, oh, Tim, you fool. And, you know, it's like we both... We both make stupid mistakes because we're human, for God's sakes. Um, you know, as you said, you didn't mark your putt. You're tired. I'm, I'm not as focused as, as I want to be. Uh, it just, it just happens. I want to talk about that eating thing and and why it's important. Yep. You know, even yesterday when I was playing a casual nine hole round, which I don't get to do very often. I actually, I want to do more of it because I, I honestly had such a nice, pleasant. It's going to sound strange. I found it so pleasant just to kind of go for a stroll. Absolutely. Uh, I was there, you know, with my guy, Rob, uh, you know, working on some decade stuff. And I just wanted to observe him playing golf. And he's such a good player. But I love the golf course. And I came away and I was like, I wasn't even sure what I shot. That's how removed from the outcome I was. Totally. I hit it decent. It was fun. I made a nice birdie on the par five there. but, But I would tell you that even in that round, I'm constantly drinking, and I've got trail mix, and I've got snacks. And I'll tell you another, I will just say this. All the guys I know, I mean, I've stayed with Charlie Fitzsimmons for the whole weekend, and the groceries he had, 
for his round. This is the Canadian mid-amateur champion who might qualify for the U.S. mid-am this summer. So take it from him. If you're not feeding your body nutritionally all the way through, like this dude, I was bugging him because we're playing Friday, and he whips out a bag of uh, broccoli florets and and carrots, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then he pulls out some guacamole. I'm like, all of a sudden, no, dude, I've never seen it before. Like he's walking along, dipping broccoli into, um, you know, guacamole. (laughs) I said to him, like, dude, all of a sudden we're at Margaritaville. Like, like I've never. like I'm eating like bananas and I'm just power are you, bar. A, are you singing a Jimmy Buffett song? <laughs> no, exactly. Like I'll have a sandwich. But uh, the point is we all get distracted and we think we don't need that to play our best golf. But I would tell you that is part of the equation of playing your best is to be aware of that. And what it does, it's not the energy to keep walking. It's the energy to make good decisions. Absolutely. That's because where you get most tired. That's where we get most tired. Like I, I, I did have the, you know, yeah, I was a bit pissed at myself for missing a one and a half foot putt. But then I went par, par, bogey, par, par. It didn't affect me other than I thought about it out and I was like, that's a bit of a drag, Howard. This is a very difficult golf course and you just pissed a stroke away for no reason. But I forgave myself immediately because I thought, dude, you better get back at it because these next bunch of holes are literally some of the hardest holes on the golf course. Yeah, exactly. No, I um, I always have um, a container of uh, a mixture of walnuts and almonds. I usually have two apples with me, and I always have a banana <laughs> on about the 15th tee because it's, it's instant glucose. It's like an instantly goes into your bloodstream and that helps carry me through to to the end of a round um but i'm gonna check out the the broccoli florets yeah that's in the guac i mean it just sounds like such a lovely combination yeah you kind of feel like you should have like a charcuterie (laughs) well that's what i thought hey guys guys come come and have (laughs) this is some lovely pepperoni here and here's some salami i picked up from angelo's yesterday you gotta try this but if you know fits that's so it's so him now again and there's one of the best players in the country yep. who also struggled, you know, it, for, it, it, again, I don't want to, it doesn't matter what he shot. It wasn't what he wanted to shoot. He didn't, you know, like, I think he was 73, 77, you know, uh, Gortner was 77, 80. Um, our friend Tim Southcott was 77, 86. You know, I shot 79-84, but I was four over the last two holes, including my last hole. Another, you know, again, a bit of a drag. You know, I, I sort of recovered, made a few pars on the last few holes, and then I bogey eight from 115 yards. And then I get to nine, my last hole of the tournament. It's 235, uphill into the wind. So now I have to hit three wood. Mm-hmm. I can't get it there. I, I didn't want, and for some reason, I thought, okay, hybrid's going to leave me too short. So I'm choking down on the three wood, and then I, I'm just going to say it, I neck fucked it, which is, and I, because I put that out there for my guys, and they're like, what does that mean? It means I said it when, I said it, what it means is when you hit it on the neck, and now you're fucked. Because what I did is I, I necked it into a tree that was 120 yards from the tee. Uh, I hit the tree, it goes straight down. Now I don't do anything silly. I just pitch out. I'm pitching out on a par three. I still have 100 yards to the green. 
And I hit the, and I hit the green, you know, but not a great shot. And I'm 45, 50 feet from that back flag, and it breaks huge break. And I three putt that for a triple bogey six on a par three. And so I shot 84. But you know, I, I shot most of those last four shots in the last two holes. So a pretty good day for me. And again. Another version of myself would have just gone to my car and sulked my way home and thought I, you know, why would I have known what I would have thought poorly of myself, but I didn't. I thought, you know what, man, I went in as soon as I saw those scores. I'm like, I felt decent about myself. But again, the perspective of seeing some of my friends and what they shot, it's like, it's not yep. that bad a score. Exactly. And talk about perspective. As you're, as you're describing the ninth hole at St. Thomas, you, you, neck, you neck a three wood and you hit <laughs> a tree and you have to punch out and you're still 100 yards out. That's a par three? What? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> what? And it's uphill and it's grossly goes from even left on, to right. Yeah, dude, even, oh on the, even on the third shot, I'm like, don't go past this flag because you're never going to get up and down. No, Totally. Totally. I mean, that's how hard the golf course is. But yeah. I just want before we I know we didn't want to go long today. I do want to say again how GSL the uh, influence you have on me. Um, so on the seventeenth, uh, the par three, and so par three. I think it was playing like one forty ish or something like that. Yeah, also a difficult hole. So I hit a six iron into the bunker, right or left. To the right. Okay. And then um, I just made a just a lurchy sort of swing at the at my shot out of the sand. But I did manage to pop it out onto the green. But now I have got about a 40-foot putt, and I'm still away. And here's the point I wanted to get to, is that I, I did sort of toss my sand wedge towards mm. the bag. Did you? You see a little but, flip there, did you? A little flip, yeah. Not a throw, a toss. Okay. They're very different. Mm, you're very delicate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, and I raked it, and then I, but I was cognizant that I was not going to shortchange myself. I gave this all the time it required. It's tournament golf. There's no one pushing behind us. There's no reason to go into hurry, giddy up mode. So I just gave it all the time I needed, and I hit this 40-foot putt to tap in and got out of Dodge with a bogey. And so it, to me, that's just it just underscores the importance of there's no reason to, to rush through these things. You know, if these guys have to wait, nah, they got to wait. And there's so I was just I was a little bit aware of oh br- brother I'm still away but I just said no just stay just do what I need to do and there's times in which it happened to them of course and they and they because it happens to everybody you're just you're just going to get in situations like that so anyway I just thought well and I appreciate uh, you saying that I mean these are all these are all lessons that I learned from you know Henrik about how to you know and and, and it came up yesterday and I, I've had. A couple of my, in, in fact, Ronan, who watched me play, I think he watched us play, uh, he watched me putt on 18, so he, Ronan watched me play three holes. And I have this little group, just like you do, although mine's not as big as yours, but I've got these guys that sort of now have a, a group chat and we talk about, oh. you know, the things that happened and, uh, you know, I write my little stuff, but Ronan... You know, he wrote to the group about watching me play. 
and he said because uh, I was sort of joking. I said, Ronan, I know when you when you saw me make four there on on eighteen. I said one of my favorite moments was the look of surprise when you found out my fifteen footer was a. Uh, for birdie and he said no no that look was admiration not surprise and then he said you definitely carry yourself like a pro and everything you do before a shot is on point great to see a lot of players do great to see as he said a lot of players do not look committed to excellence even before they take their turn and shot now rob said the same thing about me yesterday at the end of the round he said man you really play like a professional and i told him the story of henrik saying to me listen I can help you with your golf swing, but what you really need is help with how you play the game. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you play like a club, like a club golfer. And I said, well, that's not, what do you mean? Well, I've played a lot of <laughs> tournaments. He says, no, the way you conduct yourself <clears throat> is like a guy who plays at the club. He said, if you want, I can teach you how to play like a professional. And what that means is you splash it out of the bunker and you're 45 feet away and you mark your ball and you take your entire turn so that you don't three-putt it. That's what pros do. And it doesn't mean I hit it like a professional because I don't. But I conduct myself to the point where even when I doesn't, and it doesn't always turn out. Like you might have three-putted that 45-footer, but at least you gave yourself a chance not to. And that's the takeaway for me. It's like if you're not an advocate, and, and it comes back to this word that I'm going to, use a lot this summer if you're on an advocate for your own score it's because we feel some shame like Mm -hmm. why is it that most golfers won't step away from a shot they feel uncomfortable with well part of it is they don't want to look bad in front of their friends you go a little deeper because of the sort of shame of i don't want them to what are they going to think of me and it's a lot of that in golf man there's a lot of oh totally well you know this better than i do from the work you've done with the Mankind Project, but it all comes down to how men feel a lot of shame around their game. Absolutely, and 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 feel like the judgment and the needle. So I have, there's a couple guys at Blue Springs I just won't play with anymore because they're always about how fast you play. And I just find, it, really? We're playing golf to see how fast we can play? That's what, you know, they want to play well too, but they walk off the green, they're instantly looking at their watch. Hey, we were 352 two today or something like that and there's just this I just feel sometimes I think it's probably my own bullshit Um, but I always feel that when I have played with them it's about hey hurry the fuck up Tim Yeah. and this isn't the US Open so I decide I'm not playing with those guys anymore because I just think it's it's just stupid so that's a boundary that I'm 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 putting up um and I find that with a lot of club golfers, that's the kind of... And I do understand that slow play is is an issue. Um, but, you know, I'm going to... To me, if it's... I think around the... around, I mean, how, how many practice swings do you need off a tee with a perfect lie? I don't think you really do. Maybe one practice swing. You know, in a lot of shots, you don't even... I don't think you even need one. But around the green, particularly particularly on sand shots or tricky up and downs chip shots I think you can take your time there and I think it, it it balances out but the thing for me is just being okay with me and I need to take the time uh, I need I need to take and so I think that is being uh, like a professional just doing your best so that you can just take care of business in a way that it, it's not overly diligent. You're not doing the, uh, 
I used to call it the Bernie Langer four quadrant read. Every <laughs> yeah. green. Now, and that's not. I'm, I'm I'm not an advocate for that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you, those guys that you play with that play quickly, and that their whole ego is around how fast we got our round to go. You know, I'll tell you, it's part. It's part of what is their problem is that they want to get their shots over quickly mm. because they're. And that's something that Rob said to me yesterday. And, and it's like happens to a lot of us. Sometimes when we're nervous, we want to get the shot over with. I agree with you to a point there. I also think there's this thing about, hey, look how fast we are. Look at, look at the standard we're laying down here. Look how fast we play. We don't take any. We don't waste time. We're not a bunch of uh, nervous Nellies out here. We're not overthinking this. Uh, again, that's probably projecting my own bullshit on it, but that's that's what I think is is, is kind of at work there sometimes. It, well, it's not, I'll tell you it, what it is. It's in that sphere of how will I be judged? What are they talking about me? That kind of stuff. And also, but I, yeah, okay. But there's some part of the equation here for those guys because I know some people like that where. It's almost like, you know, I could score better, but I go quick. That's, you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like there yeah, were bits. Yeah. Oh, I There's you. some yeah, of that. Yeah. I, I don't know what percentage, and, and certainly I don't know these people you're talking about, but I know the guys at my club too that, you know, they somehow mock me because I'm, but you know, the funny thing is they, you know, the, I, one in particular sort of always jokes about how I'm a slow player, which, you know, I, I'm not. I go about my business. It's just that I take my time around the ball. And I always say to him, well, how do you say that? Because we're never looking for my ball. You know, I'm not, I'm wandering down most of the fairway going to my ball. I don't, I'm not dawdling. I just take my time around the ball. Uh, let's take quickly and say uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Check it out. Quiet Mind Golf. If you want to go online right now, go to my Twitter. This gonna, I talked to Fawcett yesterday. He's going to be in town for 24 hours next week. Uh, working working with the Raptors. It's interesting. Some cool stuff coming from Decade. But the wow. Raptors have brought him in to maybe explore the idea of bringing some of his, you know, statistical analysis to basketball for them. That anyway, he's put together a quick Decade seminar. I can't be at it. I'm busy. But if you go to at Humhow on Twitter... Uh, you can sign up. Fawcett's going to be in town, and it's going to be at uh, a professional golfer, a uh, professional golf teacher from this area named Nick Starchuk. I know yeah. you know who he is. Yep. Uh, so it's actually going to be at Starchuk's house. So um, <laughs> that's cool. It's not free. It's pretty. You know, it's it comes with a cost. But Fawcett's going to be doing it. Uh, he's looking for maybe fifteen or twenty maximum. If you want to sign up and meet Scott in person. Um, so that's that. Uh, also, of course, uh, jwapparelinc.com. All the uh, clothing worn by GSL and uh, Coach Tim. I mean, today accepted because I'm wearing a T-shirt from TaylorMade. Now I'm wearing a T-shirt because I got warm. <laughs> yeah, I saw you get a little hot there. And, of course, uh, thank you very much. Our title sponsor is, as always, TaylorMade Golf. Go to TaylorMadeGolf.ca. That's where that information is. Ah, Neuro Peak Pro. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just saying because uh, I'm maintaining my training, getting ten minutes in every day. I'm not, I haven't I haven't trained in a couple days, but I've got a coaching session with Samantha coming up here in a few minutes. That's why I've got to cut things short. If you want to check out NeuroPeakPro.com, 
introducing the Intel Belt, a first-of-its-kind real-time training device and mobile app designed to help unlock peak performance through better, more intentional breathing. Whew. Coach Take Tim, as always, as always, uh, a real, uh, it's, you know what it is? It's a blessing, as we say in the business, to be here with you. And an honor. Back at, right back at you, sir. And with you. Uh, all right. Chip and Dale of Golf Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, nerds. We'll see you uh, in a week. 